Blog Talk Radio. Quiet, please. Welcome to Rex Sykes Movie Beat, conversations with filmmakers where we discuss everything film and television. Here on Movie Beat, you'll learn what to do and what not to do when it comes to making movies and TV. We will talk to everyone behind the scenes and in front of the camera, and I will provide you with guests and information you're going to want to have, whether you're a filmmaker or a fan. So now let's move behind the scenes here at Movie Beat. And first, as always, I would like to thank my listeners and readers for tuning in and for spreading the word about Movie Beat to your friends and your industry connections and for all your emails, phone calls, feedback, and support. Keep in mind that the official website is at www.rexsykes.com. That's R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S.com. Now, Movie Beat is really designed to be a resource for you, and that's why I connect you up with professionals who are making it happen. Now, you can subscribe to the official Movie Beat page by going to the welcome page at the website I just gave you and click on the RSS feed button. That way you'll be updated to interviews, cast and crew listings, upcoming events, premieres, festivals, local and elsewhere. So be sure to subscribe at the welcome page at recsykes.com. Keep in mind, if you're listening to this on Blog Talk Radio, you can become a friend of Movie Beat and you can make it one of your favorites. You can leave comments, you can store it as an MP3 or as a podcast. Now, if you're listening to RexSykes.com and you're listening to an archived show, keep in mind that there are other great interviews to listen to, so be sure to check them all out at the interview page. You hit the interview uh, page at the top of the website there, and that opens up you know, four, five, six interviews, and at the bottom of that page it says go to archives. You go to the archive, you find the interview that you want by the title or by the name. Some, by the way, are six-part series, three-part series, two-part series. Some are single interviews. And you go into that, into that page, read the bio, and there is a link that will take you right to the interview you want to listen to. Now, before I bring my guest on today, keep in mind that whether you're listening live or to an archived show, you can share Rex Sykes Movie Beat with everyone through Facebook, MySpace, Twitter, email, or by your favorite means. And again, I want to thank you for being here with me and my guest and for all the support that you have. I have now just opened the chat window, and uh, we may be able, if we have time, to take some of your questions, but the chat window is open. My guest today I'm excited to have is, is Bonnie Garvin. Bonnie lives and works in Los Angeles where she's part of the USC School of Cinema faculty, and she teaches screenwriting. Now, she teaches privately. She does weekend screenwriting workshops around the country in addition to her own writing. She's originally from Detroit. Uh, She's living in Los Angeles. And she's making, um, and she's got an upcoming seminar. We're going to talk to uh, in just a second. So, Bonnie, I'm going to bring you on. Are you there, Bonnie? I'm there. Good morning. Hi. How you doing? Good. I had to stop and think for a second. Was it good? Was it still morning where you are? But yes, it is morning. It is morning where I am. Yes. Good. Okay. Um, not quite as early as it is for you. Now you have Bonnie. You're a screenwriter, and you have an upcoming uh, workshop. Let's just talk about the workshop for just a second. It's called From Idea to Script. It's going to be in Michigan, in De- in Detroit. Is that correct? Yes, it's in Detroit. I mean, technically, it's at the South in Southfield at the Westin Hotel. It's actually, um, I did one in March that was extremely successful. I even have a bunch of students coming back to take it a second time. I, was, I came back so inspired by that. The students were amazing. A number of them have already finished scripts and entered them in competitions. It, it was quite inspiring. That's fantastic. Now, the workshop is September 12th and 13th, uh, so that's coming up in a few weeks. It's from Idea to Script, and that's also the website address, right? Ideatoscript.com? Yes. yes, it is, from Ideatoscript.com. I, of course, like everybody else, have a Facebook page with, by the same name as well with that information. Awesome. And at Rex Sykes, 
uh, Movie Beat, we have a page there. It's it's got uh, from Idea to Script in Michigan. It's, it gives the dates, and it is in the uh, the hot and fun section of uh, the website. So, Bonnie, let me ask you this. I mean, you you write, you write scripts. You work in Hollywood. You work around the country. Now, you started in Detroit uh, 25 years ago. There were no screenwriting or film classes back there. How, how did you begin? Yeah, there was nothing. I mean, people thought I was crazy that, you know, I lived in Detroit. How was I possibly ever going to be in the movie business? So what I did, um, you know, I started asking other teachers that were teaching related kinds of courses if there was something for me. And as I say, there, there really wasn't. So what I did at the time was... I started commuting back and forth to Los Angeles and New York to, to make contacts. That was really the only way to do it. I was fortunate enough at that time, um, there was a theater in Michigan, and I did the publicity and the advertising for it. It was the Birmingham Theater. It was run by the Nederlanders. So um, what actually had started me writing was that I had written a play, kind of by accident, and that play ended up to be a finalist for the Eugene O'Neill Award which is, you know, one of the most prestigious writing competitions. So I was kind of able to use that to platform myself. I mean, I, I walked around for years saying to people, you know, introducing myself, cold calling, hi, I'm Bonnie Garvin. I was a finalist for the Eugene O'Neill Award. So at least it gave me something that said to somebody she can write. Because the biggest problem is that people think because they have a really good idea that they can off of that, you know, get a movie deal or get a series deal. But it's really not true. I mean, unless you write something and people really understand that you know how to, you know, begin and end a screenplay or a play or, or any work, um, it, it's not enough just to have an idea. I mean, it starts with an idea. But you've got to be able to prove that you can parlay it into something beyond that. They want to know what's next, in other words. Exactly. I mean, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. Um, I, as, as you mentioned, I teach at USC Film School, and we had a faculty meeting, and one of the faculty that, m members there who has won Academy Awards and is a really well-known um, writer talked about one of his students. And one of his students had won several years ago the short film competition at Cannes. And, and, and the student called him and said, you know, you won't believe it, I'm here in Cannes, and this one's taking me to lunch, and this one's taking me to dinner, and I have every agent, and I mean, what could be better, right, than winning an award at Cannes? Two years later, he hadn't heard from the student, and, you know, just assumed that, that he'd gone on and signed and was working, and, but instead the student called and said, you know, I, I really need to have lunch with you, we need to talk. And um, they sat down at lunch, and the student said, I don't understand it, I mean, I was the star of Cannes, and two years later, I'm unemployed, and I don't have an agent. He said, what, what did I do wrong? And the, you know, the, the professor said, well, well, what happened? And he said, well, they took me out to lunch. They wanted to know what it was I doing next. And I told them I had this idea and I had that idea. He said, well, but what happened after lunch? What did you give them? And he said, you know, I gave them my card. And he said, well, that was the problem. You know, had you had a script, even if they didn't want that script, you've now given them something. To walk away with I, just an idea doesn't say to them that I can accomplish this. So it's very, very important for people to have a work, at least one piece of material that they can present to a producer. That is, again, that is excellent advice. So in other words, really what somebody should do is, is they should write and they should, they should you know, write a number of screenplays, and then as they start pitching or as they start uh, hopefully getting these ideas or these screenplays into development or, or getting some work of it, that they do have follow-up in the... In Absolutely, because, you know, anybody... Listen, I've been in the situation myself where I've pitched an idea, you know, and it's taken me five minutes to pitch a story, right? And then selling it, and now I sit down to write it, and I go, uh, you know what, I don't know that this really is going to work into two hours. Sounds great in five minutes, but they're not the same thing. And, um, again, I'll use the example of USC where I had a, some, a student who pitched a TV series, which is actually going on the air. I mean, it got that far. But the student ended up not really involved in it because they didn't – he hadn't written anything. I mean, they didn't really know he could write a pilot. They didn't really know he could write an episode just because he had this brilliant idea for a TV series. An idea 
you know, coming up with something that's clever for an idea or that somebody else can work off and turn into something doesn't say to a producer that you can actually turn out the work and you really understand story construction and script development and all of that, I mean, character development and all of that. It tells somebody you can come up with good ideas, which is great. But one of the other misunderstandings of people is, I know a lot of people go, they kind of put the cart before the horse because we've all heard so much about pitching. But the truth of the matter is, you don't get into a room to pitch a story unless you have enough credibility that somebody wants to hear your story because they feel, once again, that you can fulfill you know, that, 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 that promise to be able to turn that idea into something that's fully fleshed out. That makes a lot of sense. And so, so the saying in Hollywood, you know, you're only as good as your last project, is slightly different when you're when, when you are uh, a screenwriter or a newcomer, you're only as good as the number of projects you've got available that they can take a look at. Even if they reject them, at least they know you're a professional. Absolutely. That's a really good way of putting it, Rex. I mean, that, that, I mean, it really is also true that you're only as good as your last work. I mean, it's always as good as the last moment and nothing beyond that. But, um, it's, but your point of, yes, even if there are things that they don't want, it says that you can do it. It says that you're serious. You're not somebody that's just sitting at a desk doing something else and occasionally some great idea blows past your brain that you can pitch in five minutes or two minutes. No, you've got to be able to, they've got to know you can complete the project. That's, that's fantastic advice, and, 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 it, and it makes perfect sense. I mean, we all know of one-hit wonders that, that go on and, and, and to, not, to nowhere. And, uh, but as a screenwriter, I mean, the more you have available for them to look at, you know, the more, I suppose, chances you have. But, but without being completely redundant to what, what we just said, is it does demonstrate that you're professional and you have a backlog of things that you can, that you can do or that you could be hired because it yeah. demonstrates your professionalism. Listen, I can come up and I, with, with some idea, you know, that sounds great and pitch it to the car companies. That doesn't mean I can build a car. Oh, great point. Excellent. Um, so let me ask you this. I mean, you teach at USC. This, this is no schlep school. This is the country's premier film school. So I spend a lot of time at, at USC working at the, the, with actor, directors from the SAG Conservatory Program when I lived out there. And uh, it was always an incredible experience. But, but you're teaching there. You're, um, that's awesome. So... And, and a moment ago, you said that part of the faculty is Academy Awards and things like that. So you, you bring a lot to the plate here. I mean, you're, you, you know, you're you're in a good place to, to be yeah, providing. You know, I feel very flattered. It's, it's very flattering and um, humbling. Believe me, to be on that faculty. Wow, uh, very cool, very cool. But I mean, what I'm saying is, it's to our listeners, you bring a lot to the plate. You for them to listen to, so that they can begin to understand. You know the the business of screenwriting and and script development and and how to uh, succeed in Hollywood. Let me ask you this: you you know you you um you've written and you produced several films about Detroiters. Yes, is that true. And yes, how did that? It's, it's interesting that everything that's been made has been about Detroiters. Wow. And and it's not. I mean, it's just. Listen, you know what? You write what you know. You write the people you know, even if you don't know you're writing that. But in my case, um, all the stories originated in Detroit, and you know, I went out and got rights because they were interesting stories. Um, it, it, it's that idea of looking all around you and seeing the material that's right under your nose. I mean, I always, you know, particularly with new students, people want to, you know, they want to write murder mysteries or complicated science fiction, futuristic stuff. What really gets you the attention is writing something from the heart. I mean, you can see it if you look back at the work of, of you know, even the George Lucas's, the Steven Spielberg's. People, you know, that, that have gone on to do huge films, I mean, they all start with something that's much more personal. I mean, Steven Spielberg did Duel for TV. I mean, it was a guy being chased by a truck. I mean, there was only essentially one character in the entire film. Because what really matters, and this is, I mean, you know if you've been in California and around USC film school, I mean, it's, it's character, character, character. We always say we teach characters. Characters drive movies. Plots don't drive movies. People drive the story. So to, to write a character that's really compelling and complex, that's going on a, um, an interesting journey, is going to get you a lot more attention 
than something that's just kind of plot driven and, and shows that, you know, you get the idea of using uh, car chases as CGI. Can I uh, interrupt you and just ask you, uh, you know, just point blank, how do you do that? I mean, you know, I, I talk to other screenwriters and they say, well, the biggest problem is dialogue or it's character development. Now, you say right from the heart. And, and write what you know. How, how do you create uh, fascinating characters that sound unique, you know, so that, that all your characters don't sound or look alike? Well, a, a lot of it is, is research and trying different things for you. I mean, we, you know, we recommend, or I recommend, I should say, I mean, keeping a notebook of how people talk, listening to the different ways that, I mean, every person brings their, you know, their experience, their education, their neighborhood, all those things to the way they speak. So as writers, we keep notebooks, we listen, um, we listen to what the speech is telling us. I mean, you know, oftentimes you speak to one person and, and you can tell that, you know, they've had a certain kind of background or education. You listen to someone else, they may sound, um, they're more literate, um, they're the kind of person that makes a lot of references to, you know, history or book, literature. I mean, different, in the same way we all have different attitudes about things. So by building a character and really spending time with your character and understand who he or she is and, um, and their backgrounds, begins to, you, to, um, you begin to develop an ear. And you've got to listen to your own friends. I mean, when you speak to someone on the phone, the minute you hear their voice or, or um, certain thing, you know, it, it says to you, that's so-and-so, even before a call waiting comes, I mean, before a caller ID comes up. You know, you can tell by the sound of their voice. It's familiar to you, the inflections that they use, the fact that some people are constantly saying like, or they have a certain word that they use every time they think something's funny. I mean, everybody's speech is so individual in the same way their personalities are individual. So as a writer, we're psychologists, we're investigators. We have to really look into people. It's not enough to write. I, mean, I remember when I first started writing, the first thing people commented on was my dialogue. Oh, your dialogue's so fantastic, it jumps, jumps off the page. And that was, I think that that was true. That was just a natural kind of strength I had. But I really had to work on it. I remember people saying to me, you know, but, but the shortcoming is story construction, you know, story structure. You need work in story structure. I didn't even know what that was. Um, and it takes a long, long time to learn story structure. I was teaching with someone, a very well-known writer, and I was teaching um, last semester a class he taught before, and, and a lot of times we're, we exchange you know, ideas and, and, and what did you do and what were the students like and what did they like. And he said to me, I, you know, I've been teaching for 20 years. I had the most amazing experience in that class. He said it suddenly dawned on me for the first time. I, I understand story structure. And it's really true. It's, it's a very, screenplay writing is so craft driven. You know, it's so specific. It has a lot more kind of quote unquote rules, let's say, than, than writing a novel. Um, you know, you only have a certain amount of time. You have a certain amount of pages. We, we'll read a novel whether it's 300 pages or 500 pages, right? Or 600 pages, 700 pages. But you're not going to sit and watch a movie, and people aren't going to, readers and film producers aren't going to be reading screenplays that come in at 200 pages. That's, again, an excellent point. So let me ask you this. Uh, you know, character-driven, you know, we're observers of life. We, we research. You know, we, we invest ourselves in, in learning the nuances from person to person so that we can make our characters richer. Uh, but you said something a moment ago, too, and, and I just want to get some clarity. You know, you talked about sci-fi or horror or, say, a comedy. You know, should you write a genre script, or, 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 or did, you just, did, did you just answer that question, in, in other words? No, I think you absolutely can write a genre script. I, but what you want to do with the genre is kind of, kind of break the mold. I mean, if you're writing some recycled version of Star Wars, nobody's going to pay attention to it. I mean, you really want to try, if you're writing a genre piece, to transcend the genre so that it really stands out. Because one of the problems is that there are tons of people writing genre scripts because they think that's the easiest way to sell something, you know, because it's more mainstream, it's more commercial. 
But on the other hand, the requirement then is even tougher on you. So when you're writing that genre script, don't do the formula. Really, once again, the way to really break it out is write a character that's fantastic. I mean, one of the things that we all remember in the genre scripts that really work and that have kind of, um, you know, are, are the one, ones that we turn to in film classes or in examples to one another is, you know, we talk about Luke Skywalker, right? Well, Luke Skywalker is a character. He's not a plot. Um, you know, the Harrison Ford character in, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Indiana Jones. I mean, we talk about Raiders of the Ark. We talk about Indiana Jones because we love that character. So that is what really sets Raiders of the Lost Ark or Star Wars or genre pictures you know, that, that, that really um, that, that live on and on and that people want to repeat and do. But it's fine to take that formula, but then you must transcend it. You must find something in there that really makes people sit down and say, whoa, i got to yeah, make this movie. That's an excellent point because I read, you know, like let's say I read a detective story, a series of novels. Okay? Um, I'll read them, and sometimes the story is better or worse than the last one, but I'm reading them because I like the character. I, I right. Now I'm hooked on a series because of the character. So, I, so the, the same thing with the movies. You know, we do. We fall in love with a character, and then we follow their story, and sometimes the story can be fantastic or it may be weak, but if we love the character, it, 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 it doesn't seem to matter as much because we still enjoy the, the people that we're invested in. Um, exactly, and that's not going to be true just in a car chase. I mean, right? No matter how great the car chase, after one or two, if there's nobody there that you're really interested in, nobody that you've connected to, I guarantee you, no matter how fantastic those effects are, you know, you're not going to make it through the whole movie. You're going to be bored to death. I agreed. I, I very, agreed very much. So, so uh, let me ask you this question, then. It, you know, and and so, is there a Hollywood formula? I mean, is there is there something that we should be looking at or trying to write or not write? And and if so, what is that formula? Again, I don't think it, it, it's as much. I mean, certainly there are times when certain things sell more than others. I mean, this is a very tough time to sell dramas, but. You know, be, as, you know, if you, you can see, given the recession and every, how people are feeling these days, comedies are doing better. But, again, I think that when you try and guess, you know, you're trying to figure out what someone's going to buy, it becomes an impossible thing. I mean, so much of it is serendipity anyway that now trying to sort of second guess it is impossible. I think people should try, they should write what comes naturally to them or what's comfortable to them, what do they know best. I mean... Personally, I can't write science fiction. There's just no sense in me trying. It's just not my genre. It's not something that really engages me. So first of all, you have to know your material. If you're writing a genre piece, you have to know the genre and be comfortable in it. It's also just not enough to know it if it's not something that's really sort of, you know, something that you can necessarily necessarily do. So I think it's more important to find a story, whether it's a true story or one you're, you know, that, 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 that you're making up yourself, that really inspires you. That, because when you're excited, I mean, I always know my test for myself when my writing is going well is when I'm really engaged. When I can't tear myself away from the keyboard to go to the bathroom or suddenly I'll laugh out loud. Or one time I was writing something and I've been having a really tough time and I knew it was finally working because I felt like I, I was having an anxiety attack. And it dawned on me that I was so tense because of the moment in the script that my stomach was in nuts, and I finally realized I'd gotten it. And if you're not engaged, if you're not engaged at that level, then why is someone else going to be engaged at that level? It's harder for them. They have to read it on their weekend. You're doing it because you've got a goal in mind, you know? So if you're not that inspired to sit there, why is that person who's sitting by, you know, their swimming pool and they're a reader and they've got 50 scripts they've got to read that weekend? You know, they're not getting past page 10. You know, in Hollywood they say the readers read to page 10, and if you don't grab them then, you know, it's on to the next one. Because you think... you. The amount of scripts that are written every day is staggering. So how are you going to get to the top of the pile? And the only way you do that is to dazzle people. And at the end of the day, whether it's a comedy or a drama 
or science fiction or horror film, it's still got to do that. Awesome. Uh, uh, you know what? We're almost at the halfway point. I'm just going to take a brief break, and then we're going to come back because I've got a, right. uh, and, uh, another question for you. So uh, I want to remind the listeners, thank you very much for tuning in to Rex Sykes Movie Beat. Uh, if you're listening on the archive, uh, that's at rexsykes.com. Keep in mind that you can share this interview and all the other excellent interviews with your friends and your family and your industry connections uh, by spreading the word. And we want to thank you again for Facebooking and MySpacing and tweeting about uh, Movie Beat. Uh, but thanks for tuning in. And keep in mind that on September 12th and 13th, Bonnie has the From Idea to Script workshop in, in the Detroit, Michigan area. And you can find out more information right here on Movie Beat at the Hot and Fun, or you can go to ideatoscript.com uh, and, uh, and get all the information you need in order to register for her workshop and also maybe to find about other things that Bonnie uh, will be doing in the future. Um, Bonnie, uh, let's go back then and let's talk story structure. What is story structure, and, and uh, how does somebody create those first ten, ten, ten pages, too? Well, let me just go back back a step, because you were talking about, you mentioned the thing about the workshop. One of the things that we focus on in the workshop is exactly that, the, the telling of the story, the building of the block. You know, what are the blocks that have to be in place in order to write your story? And one of the biggest mistakes that people make, including myself when I first started as a writer, is this idea that, you know, that you can get what's in your head directly from there onto the page in the form of the script. And, you know, maybe that happens one time in a million, but generally it doesn't happen for people or it doesn't happen in a way that really makes your script effective because it's setting down those story blocks. It's asking the questions. It's outlining your script and having scenes that all connect, that are building toward something, where a character is, is, is going from A to Z on an enormous journey, and along the way, they're going to have to conquer obstacles and complications and setbacks to finally get to their, to their goal. Movies are about people who have problems, and in the course of the story, they solve whatever problem we've set out for them. Um, if, if you look at how many attorneys, for example, are, um, are writers or screenwriters, it's somebody once said it's a formula that's very similar to writing a brief where you lay out what the problem is, then you go on to build your client's case, and you finally um, get to the resolution of what happened to this person in the course of this lawsuit, right? You've got to present your case to the jury, and then the jury rules. So in a sense, it's the same thing for screenwriting. We're presenting our case. Um, in the case of somebody, uh, I'm thinking of a film like Aaron Brockovich. I mean, what is Aaron Brockovich about? It's about don't judge, you know, thematically, it's about don't judge a book by its cover. Then it goes on to also, you know, David and Goliath, a person who we see a woman who's broke. Uh, she's got absolutely nothing going for her. She can't get a job. She's got children to feed. Um, what, what's going to happen? Then what, what, what she gets a job. She uncovers this conspiracy. She brings down a huge, um, a, a huge, uh, polluting industry uh, company corporation I'm sorry and then she goes on to build self-esteem achieve success and, and become a completely different person by the end of the movie but all those steps were there and that was all very carefully constructed in terms of subplots and and, and the subplot with um, Aaron Eckert and the love story and the relationships that she was building with the people who were being poisoned by the water and I mean Nobody just sat down and kind of, excuse my language, sort of vomited that onto the page. You know, it took very careful crafting to make it all feel seamless and draw us in and engage and involve us. So there's a lot of rewriting involved, I suspect. I mean, you know, you, you, you write, you, you adjust it, you write, you, yes. you continue to go back and, and hone it until, until it, it's, it's working perfectly for you. 
Um, Absolutely. But, First draft, so, you know, just the idea of you just get it on the page, you know, just get out what's in your head. And then you go back and write, exactly, you start working it, working it. But before I ever sit down to put anything on a page, I do my note cards. I do, you know, I lay out the entire story of the of the um, of what the script is going to be so that I can see it and, and think wait a minute I don't really have a turning point at the end of my first act w what am I going to do here I need to fix that or you know I, I look and I go gee things are going really well for my characters in the second act that's a problem I need some complications here we need a big setback in the middle of the second act you know you've got to have those things a story can't just proceed I mean Aaron Brockett any story you want to look at I mean you've got to have obstacles and complications because you can't lay out the problem and then we just go see our character you know achieving what they want you know just knocking down things you know, just going straight forward and, and hitting the goal no they've got, got to be one step just like in our own lives it's one step forward two steps back our job as writers is to make our characters' lives as miserable as they can be and to get them out of it. <laughs> That's great. That's perfect. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that was it. You know, to show us that they've got the, what it takes to get out of that mess. That's awesome. I, 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 the, the idea of the note cards, I mean, in other words, let's say I, I come up with an idea, and I, maybe I don't even have one well formulated at the moment, but, but it sounds like, you know, you visualize this thing in your head and you put it down, a note cards. Now, are you putting down each scene that you... Yes, I do a scene-by-scene scene, I do a scene-by-scene scene breakdown of my entire script uh, uh, in note cards. Writing is about asking questions. I mean, one of the things, I, I mean, people will always say, you know, I have writer's block. My students say, I have writer's block. I don't know. I just couldn't, nothing, couldn't come up with anything this week. No, that's unacceptable. All you have to do when you're stuck is ask yourself a question about your character. It will open the door. I mean, if you say, oh, I don't know who this person is. I just can't seem to figure it out. Well, ask yourself a question. Any question about that character. How old are they? Where do they grow up? What kind of background do they have? What kind of, you know, what's their favorite flavor? What kind of movie would they be going to if they were going to a movie tonight? It tells you something about them. You're making it up. It's not like you can make up the wrong thing. But that is awesome advice, and, and I heartily recommend it. In, my, in other parts of my life, as, as a seminar, seminar leader and as a speaker, I have a whole program on asking yourself questions, which lead you to discovery, and, and you can ask other people as well as yourself. But anyway, so I just want to concur. Uh, the idea of asking a question, it is the key that unlocks the door to your own creativity as well as to adventure. Because Absolutely. Uh, too many people focus on the answer, but once you get the answer, you're stopped. But a question opens the doorway to, to any other possibility. Um, so that's awesome advice, Bonnie. I, I really appreciate that. Um, so how do you how do you how do you um, is it like uh, you put down your your idea? You know, I'm going to write the screenplay. Is it like in a, in a thesis form? Um, like when you write a thesis, you know, your, your, your first entry sentence is supposed to explain everything about what you're going to be doing or what you're going to, you know, uh, you, you create your argument and how you're going to answer it. Um, how do you, what do you, with the idea that you have, I mean, you get an idea and now uh, how do you get it to the point where you can put it down on cards? Do you, you know what I'm asking? How do you yes, I do. And, and, and that's kind of difficult to answer over the phone. But, but it, it, it starts with, I mean, you know, um, there are a number of different ways to start because you can start with your ending and that tells you about your beginning. I mean, if you know that somebody's got to end up in, in New York by Friday, that gives you a place to go. Oh, good. That's a good point. Sure. Um, you, so you have to lay down... You, you, so where do you want to... Well, let's, let's go back to a different question. I'm sorry for a moment that you asked me earlier because it relates to this about, you know, what is your opening? Well, no, I, think you, I am hearing, but I am hearing a little bit of like static coming from your side, and I, I don't know if it's just. Yes, I'm uh, hearing a little bit of static too. I don't know where that's coming from. I can't okay. tell. It just it suddenly happened. Yep. But now it also seems like maybe it's going away. Yeah. Well, there we go. So go ahead. Um, you know, think about openings of, of films. What do you see? It's it's a visual medium. You want to introduce your character in a way that immediately gets our attention. 
Um, if you think of something like American Beauty, I mean, w- which they use this interesting device, you know, that they also use in Sunset Boulevard about, you know, you're opening with the character who lets you know at the start that he's going to be dead by the end of the film. Well, we set up and paid attention, right? Um, right. You introduce things, and we introduce things in a visual way. I mean, when we see Annette Benning, she's outside cutting those roses and relating to her family in a certain kind of a way that tells us and shows us who she is. She didn't have to announce to us, I'm really uptight, I'm really rigid and controlling. And I mean, she never said that. We saw by her behavior what kind of person that she was. So movies are about showing, not telling. Um, that's why they're a visual medium. Otherwise, you know, you could be on a radio drama and just talk everything out. So part of the craft is learning, you know, what to say and what not to say. What can you show us? What can be revealed in a picture as opposed to in the dialogue? The dialogue is really enhancing the visual. That's, again, an excellent point. So let me ask you uh, again, Bonnie, uh, if... um we're talking about the structure of story or structure of the screenplay. We want to get the reader to go past the first ten pages and 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 get all the way to the end of the script. You know, there are notions that oh, every twenty or thirty pages you need to have a, a plot point or you know a conflict. You know, I mean, you you you've got a first, a second, a third act. And I mean, how, how do you describe you know what uh, a new screenplay or a new screenwriter should be focused on in terms of crafting that? story, you know, into a, into a workable screenplay that they could get someone to read. Well, it, it does contain all of those things. I mean, you do need, a, you know, it, it is a three-act structure. You do need what they call those plot points, the thing that you're building to, or, you know, the setback that suddenly we think that somebody got to, you know, X, and in fact, when they get there, they find um, X has been moved, and, and now they're back to, you know, square one. So all those things have to be consciously laid out and laid in, in in the script so that they pay off at a certain you know at a certain point. I mean, if we see a gun introduced in the first part of your film or any part of your film, you better be planning on having that gun gone off. I mean, you've set something in motion. We've seen that picture. If we see a gun, you know, we're expecting somewhere along the line that that gun's going to be fired. Otherwise, why was it in there? What is the point of that gun? So it's true of everything that you said in the script that you've got to say to yourself, why is it there? When we open a script, we want to introduce the character. We want to also introduce the character's problem. You want to introduce the character's world. I mean, do they live in a mansion in Beverly Hills or are they homeless on a street corner in, uh, in uh, New York City? We've got to see the world of our character. So how you introduce us, we can't wait to get that information. We can't suddenly learn on page 30, you know, that, that they come from a wealthy background and are educated. We kind of need to understand that going into it so that we, again, we introduce the world of the character so that we understand what we're seeing. I mean, if you don't show your main character until, let's say, page 9, and in the meanwhile, we've been looking at somebody else who's going to become a subplot, then if, if, if that's the person we're introduced to, we've got to assume that that's the person the story's about. If suddenly now on page nine you introduce this new character and they take over, we're automatically confused. But, but, but wait a minute. You set the story in motion this way. Fantastic. I appreciate that. Um, what, so what is the best way of going about it, organizing your idea? Well, the way, what I tell people to do is to start writing down their cards of every scene that you can kind of think of, you know, just starting kind of randomly. You know, I, 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 I know my character, um, you know, uh, is going to kidnap this person and hold them for ransom. Okay, I know it at the end he's going to turn the person over to the authorities. All right, well, I know what that last scene is. It's the scene of him turning the person over to the authorities. I know there's a scene, because I just told you it's someone about someone kidnapping somebody. I know there's the scene where the guy's got to get kidnapped. Well, then I'd ask myself, but, but who is this guy? Well, I need to show um, who this guy is and what he did to piss off the person that's now going to kidnap him, right? Well, wait a minute, Also, What about the person that's kidnapping him? I mean, I'm making all this up. But the point is, that's what you're doing, too, right, off the top of your head. All these things start 
coming immediately to mind. I have to introduce the person who's driving the story, the person who's going to kidnap the guy, and, and, and what happened to, to him that makes him want to kidnap this guy, and when does he get the idea, and where does he get the idea, and how does he go about each one of those things is a scene in a card. And then um, at some point, then you begin to put them together. Okay, how am I going to open it? Well, I'm going to open it with, I want to set up the guy. What would be a nice visual for, for the protagonist? Um, how would I like to introduce him? Um, do I want to show his family? Do I want to show he's somebody that you know, is always coming up with ideas to kidnap people and he's always angry about the state of the world? It's what do you show us? that's going to make us understand the person and understand the story we're about to tell. I mean, the guy might be a golf nut, but if the golf nutting part has nothing to do with the story, then we don't need to see it. Everything in a story has to be paid off. It's there to tell you something that's going to be another piece of the puzzle. If you think of it all, including your note cards, as a puzzle, then they have to all go back together in a way that they fit. There's nothing extraneous. There's not one piece that if you pulled out, the story would go on. No, if you can pull out a piece in the story that would go on, you don't need that scene. Point taken. Now, um, and, and then you rewrite, and you polish, and you polish, and you polish until until you have, uh, you know, a, a great finished product. But as a writer, or sometimes writers write alone, or they write in isolation, um, how do they get feedback? How, how do they know? If you have to. Yes, that's a very good question. You have to get feedback. You can't rely on yourself. It's like I was liken it to a child. I mean, people really can't see their own children objectively either. And I mean, they're, they're too much an extension of you. The script is an extension of you. You have to be able to go outside and get an objective eye. So. If you give it to a friend, you have to, number one, give it to someone that is going to be willing to give you honest feedback. I mean, most people just say, oh, I really liked it. No, you don't want, oh, I really like it. It's because you don't learn from the stuff that's working. You learn from the stuff that's not working. You want somebody who's going to say to you, you know, I had no idea why Mary was doing that. I mean, you, I thought Mary really liked cats. And um, suddenly you showed her being mean to cats, but, but I never saw any indication that Mary would be mean to cats. Well, then you think to yourself, hmm, I haven't set my motivation up properly. But you need to get somebody who's going to give you that kind of feedback. So if you know, I mean, the closer um, you are to people who have, uh, you know, read material, um, who are used to reading material, that's obviously, you know, the ideal. Um, otherwise, give it to people you know who read a lot of books, who watch a lot of movies, who see a lot of television, who at least are familiar with enough with the form and can tell you what they think. And you've got to really develop a very tough skin and a good ear because you could give it to ten people and each one of the ten people are going to tell you ten different things. So you have to develop a, um, an ear to hear what really works for you. I mean, somebody can give you what you think is a fantastic idea, but you can't necessarily make it work or it doesn't really work in that script for the character and the way you envision the character. So you have to be selective, but you also have to be open. If you aren't open to every idea, then you're really missing tremendous possibilities for yourself. You listen, and then you go back and you think, okay, what really works for me? What there made sense? You know, what can I relate to in this feedback? And turn it into something that is going to help um, deepen the script. So if you know people, um, preferably either in the, in the movie business or just outside the business or they work for theater and they read a lot of scripts, you know, ask them. People are a lot more willing to help than you think they are. I mean, part, partly is that people get intimidated and they're shy and they don't want to bother people. And you know what? If people don't want to do it, they'll say no. But if there's someone that you'd really like to read your script, ask them if they do you a favor. Um, and w after they've done it, you'll write them a nice thank you note and tell them how much you appreciate it. That's very cool. And I think the, the, the even your friends, if you write them a thank you note, they're more inclined to do things for you in the in the 
in the future if you really true people just want to be appreciated so you know tell them how much it meant to you and and they'll be happy and and be there from sure for you the next time all right now i got a question for you we got about 14 minutes left here uh maybe 13 minutes but you finished your screenplay what do you do with it now the first thing one of the things that i strongly recommend is entering there's so many competitions now and a lot of these competitions are actually really really good ones and they can get you so I would really encourage you. Uh, you, you just there was a dropout. You, you said there are a lot of good competitions, and they can what? And I really encourage people to enter them. Oh, okay. Um, enter competitions. Go online. I mean, in addition to the ones that everybody knows, like Sundance, there are other competitions that are also very, very good. And you can also, by googling, find out which. Like, a, you know, there are only so many you want to do because there's a fee. But so, you know, what are the top ten? Um, film competitions, enter those. The other thing is you're going to try and get an agent. Um, you can start writing inquiry letters you can, at the WGA website. It's um, WGA.org. You can go and find out, get a list of agencies that will take unsolicited manuscripts so that then you write an inquiry letter to XYZ agency. You know, I've written a script. It's called X, you know, it's called this. And you give them a log line telling them what the film's about and um, to see if you can get them, would they be willing to read the script and consider you for representation. The, the biggest thing, and, and this is why I'm a, a great example of, of, of what you need to do in the sense that I lived in Detroit, I knew nobody. I mean, I didn't have one contact to anybody. So, but what I did was, I was young, I was ambitious, and I just got on the phone and started calling people cold. And that's what you, 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 you've got to be audacious. Nobody is going to call you up and say, Rex, I understand through the grapevine that you've written a film. I'd really like to read it. No, that's really not going to happen. You have to make people want to read it. You've got to be willing to market yourself. And, you know, they say, well, but writers are shy. I mean, that's why they're writing. Well, you know, that, that's not going to work in today's world. I mean, if you're shy, you need to get unshy and figure out how you're going to get the script in the hands of the person that you want to read it. So you need a game plan, you need to talk to people, you need to make contacts, um, you need to network, you need to be visible and, and be your own salesperson. And now, does it matter whether you're in the, in the Writers Guild or not? No, you can still sell a script but because I mean, before you're in the Writers Guild. I mean, once you sell a script, then you join the Writers Guild because you can't get into the Writers Guild. I mean, it's one of those catch-22. I mean, until you sell a script and the script, is, you have to earn a certain amount of money initially, um, be paid what would, they, what would be scale for the WGA, whether you're in a series, uh, if you're writing an episode, it's different. If you're, if you're in series TV, it's different than if you're writing a film. But generally, when you sell your first piece of material, it's a big enough sell then to get you into the writer's guild. I mean, it's not, it, it's not a terribly high bar financially. I mean, most people's first work allows them to then become that. And that's what, you know, in, in Hollywood makes you a professional writer is when you get into the writer's guild. Awesome. Now I'm going to ask you to just briefly uh, answer the next question. You said i got a bunch of other questions I want to ask you, and we're down to maybe the 10-minute mark. But what's the difference between a synopsis, an outline, and a treatment, and do you need any of them? Um, general, a synopsis is, is generally just sort of the overall short, let's say in a paragraph or two. Okay? A treatment is the whole story in prose, which could be anything from five pages. I've seen treatments that are 50 pages. They're much more detailed. They're more about how you're telling the story. And your outline is really your beat-by-beat. Beat. An outline is something, I mean, I always work from an outline. And if you're doing um, a movie, generally you're doing a step deal, which requires that the producers see your outline before they okay the draft. So, in other words, you've worked out the story, you've been hired. They're not going to just send you off to write the script. They want to see how, how that story is going to play out. So in most cases, you're going to be required as part of your deal to have an outline which they can read and then say to you, no, 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 I thought you were going to make this person a, you know, a, uh, a car thief and instead you made them a bank robber. That's not going to work for us. I mean, whatever it is. 
All right. Now, you brought up something that I want to ask you about because I know a lot of people have this question, and you said beats. Now, oh, well, in a screenplay, what are beats, or how, how do you define that? Again, you know, kind of briefly because I do have other questions. Yes, but- I know. And the, and the beats tend to be scene by scene. What are we talking about? Where is the story going? But it also can be just from what we say a beat, just from moment to moment. How is that story playing out? So they'll say beat by beat. If you say a beat outline, it generally means a scene by scene outline of your script which tells what every scene is about and what the characters are doing in that scene. Awesome. Now, you've experienced writing, but you also have produced films. So uh, how do you switch back and forth? Um, generally, I've, I've done my own. So I've produced my own films, so it's really about how do I effectively get my vision in with the amount of money and talent that I have to get it in. It. it it's a wonderful thing when it happens. It's it's very hard because you have to also have the cooperation of the studio to allow you. I mean, they they initially, I should say, they predominantly see you as a writer once you're a writer producer, and they get nervous about writers. So they have to you have to instill the confidence that you can see beyond just your own ego as a writer to make the film what it needs to be. That's when you've got to look at budgets, characters casting um, all of those elements and try and do it within, you know, the amount of money that you have to spend. Makes sense. Makes much, a lot of sense. Now, you're the producer, but you're also the writer. What's the relationship between the writer and the actor on the set? Um, it's very important. It's very important that you be willing to listen to the actors that you were able to adjust. I mean, just because you think something's brilliant, if it can't come out of their mouth and they can't say those lines properly or they don't believe in those lines, you've got to be willing to listen. Your job as a writer is to listen. One of the most thrilling aspects, I think, about being a screenplay writer is that it it isn't just your vision. I mean, it's so wonderful to have people who are part of something who care as much as you do. I mean, the costumer, it's just as important to them that that film be as good as it is to you as the writer. And there's something that, that, that is so um, inspiring and wonderful about that. It, it, it makes your, your work, you know it's going to come to life because everybody else cares in the same way that you care. And that's what makes it terrific. And, and that they could have something just as valuable to say as the director. So you listen, and it doesn't mean you have to do it, but you've got to be open to all these things because people bring different elements to the script and to the process. Now, what about working with an A-list actor like Alden, Alan Alda? I mean, he's also a writer. Is, is it uh, more complex or, or easier, I guess, than... It, it, it can be both. I mean, I was really nervous about that. He was wonderful, um, and we had an excellent collaboration, and um, he was really willing to try stuff. I mean, I would come in with stuff in the morning that I wanted to change, and he'd be open to it, or he thought about something, and it was really an, an amazingly close collaboration. I mean, we just talked about everything all of the time, and we were able to keep working on the script and making it better and, and trying things out. I mean, it was... I don't know that I've ever since or will again have an experience that was as perfect as that one because there was just never any tension. It, it, it was an excellent situation with everybody, I mean, on the film in general. Um, a real openness to everybody wanting it to be the absolute best it could be and feeling that we were all in it together. It's a, it's a really wonderful, uh, wonderful thing when that can happen. Oh, that's fantastic. Can you tell the listeners the name of the film? Yeah, the name of the film was The Killing Yard, and it actually was about a Detroit lawyer played by Alan Alda, a very prominent civil rights lawyer who has since died named Ernie Goodman, and he defended um, one of the main people involved in the Attica prison riot, and it was the biggest case and really sort of set the precedent for what was to come in the next 26 years with those trials. And as it turned out, the inmate was also from Detroit. And it's about the bond, these two men from completely different backgrounds. You know, one's a Jewish progressive civil rights lawyer, and the other is a, uh, an African-American inner-city kid who'd been in prison from the time he was 15. And um, the bond that they formed and how that transformed each of them. 
and also how that came to play in the course of the trial. Awesome. Awesome. Now, it also won uh, the American Bar Association Silver Gavel Award for Best Television Feature Miniseries. Is that correct? Yes, it did, and I was also nominated for an Edgar Award awesome. for the Best Feature in Miniseries. Yeah, so that was n- nice. Now, and your film uh, about a Detroiter, Ernie Goodman, premiered at the Toronto Film Festival? Yes, it did. And actually, my, the film was supposed to premiere the next day in New York at the Museum of Broadcasting with the huge gala opening, but it turned out to be September 11th. <laughs> oh. So I was there. I was in Toronto, stuck at the Toronto Film Festival on September 11th, rather than premiering with my movie in New York. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, amazing. Um, hey, so what is the role for writers in this evolving world of new media? What do, what do you see happening? I think there's much more role for, for writers because there's so many new venues to be able to get your stuff out and so many more ways to access getting your stuff out. I mean, the web really has opened up, you know, just completely new opportunities for people. And where you can you know, write something really in, you know, in Detroit, you can write a short and have it produced and have it never leave you know, the, the, the city perimeters and, and get, it on the, get it seen by people. Whether you're posting it on YouTube for five minutes or you're putting it in a short film con- competition, there's just you know, lots of opportunities for people. But it's not going to start until you write that script. You've got to make the commitment. You've got to take the time. It's hard. I know. I had a job when I did it. I had a full-time job, and I was writing, you know, up at 2 in the morning writing. But if you want to do it, that's what you've got to do. It all starts with the script. When you, when you go and you have a movie produced and you see all those trailers lined up, you realize you put all those people to work. You end up putting thousands of people to work as a result of making your film. And that's a thrilling experience because it all starts with the writer. I don't care how much attention directors get. The truth of the matter is we're the reason they're employed. Again, a good point. And um, now you, uh, you also, you also uh, work in Europe. Uh, you work in Hollywood. You, know, you come from Detroit. Uh, you teach at USC. You've produced movies. You write movies. I mean, you do a whole lot. And you're having this workshop coming up September uh, 12th and 13th in the Detroit area. Um, can you tell the listeners, in, in, I'm sorry, but in about a minute, uh, what kinds of things they can expect from the workshop? Why they, yeah, they, can expect I think. Start, they can expect to start writing their screenplay. We're going to break out their story. We get a lot of personal attention. I keep the classes small. Um, you are going to learn what you need to know to begin to write the screenplay that you've always wanted to write. We're going to lay down your beginning. We're going to lay down your middle. We're going to lay down your ending. You're going to go home with the work in process. Um, I can only tell you by the feedback that I got from last time, people said it's, you know, it was a life-changing event for them. I think if nothing else, it will empower people to really kind of take control of their lives to do what it is they want to do. Writing is that does that for you. That is fantastic. Bonnie, I, I thank you so much for being here. You're a fascinating guest. It's great to uh, be able to ask you questions about uh, your craft, your expertise, and uh, I certainly wish you the best of success in the future. Any uh, upcoming projects or anything that you, you want to mention before we go? Or, well, or just, uh, you know, Now, just you know, as I say, my workshop, I'm doing working on my own stuff, trying to get that made as well. It's an ongoing, uh, it's an ongoing process. I'm always writing. I'm always working on different material. And that's what I encourage people to do. Don't put your eggs all in one basket. You know, I've got five or six things in the works at the moment. Um, you just keep at it because, you know, it, it, it's, your, uh, it's your juice is what you drink in the morning and that, that gets you going. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on Movie Beat. We'll thank be you, and I hope to see a lot of your uh, listeners at my workshop and, and get them to start writing their scripts. Yeah. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
I want to thank my fascinating guest, Bonnie Garvin, for being here today. And I want to thank you, the readers and listeners of Movie Beat. We've got many more exciting guests coming up. Uh, we've got Steve Ralph, who's a production designer. He's going to be talking to us uh, in the next couple of shows. Dwayne Journey, who recently produced the movie No God, No Masters, starring David Strathairn and Sam Whitmore and Ray Wise. Uh, they actually produced that right here in Milwaukee. Um, but keep keep sharing the website. Oh, we've got First AD Peter Marshall coming up uh, in September, early in September. A few other people uh, who uh, we're scheduling now, so be sure to tune in. Be sure to visit the website and find out who's coming up. You can visit us on Facebook. It's Rex Sykes' profile on Facebook. We have a Rex Sykes movie group there as well where I make some announcements. And you can become a member of the Rex Sykes movie Beat Facebook group by, by just going there and joining. Um, all right, everybody, I want you to have a fabulous day. Again, keep sharing the website. Thanks so much for your feedback. And keep sharing these interviews with your filmmaking friends because uh, this is where, the, where you get that nuts and bolts information, the how-tos, what to do, what not to do, what the greatest, biggest mistakes are, uh, what, the, what the next opportunity you might uh, find uh, uh, opening up for yourself. So I look forward to um, being, meeting you right back here on Movie Beat. And uh, have a great day. Complete your project until we meet again. That's a wrap.